0: Good morning, Grace family. It's a privilege to read God's word with you. If you'd like to read along, there's a pew Bible and we're reading from uh, the book of Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through 21. That's page 977. If you'd like to follow along. For this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word. Good morning again, church. We're in
1: a series here in, in the month of January called "Deeper." Here's our, um, here's our picture. Is it coming up? There we go. Here's our picture. I love this picture. I love I love the tree. I love the botanical concept. It's a very biblical concept, isn't it? Comparing our growth to growth, the growth of a plant or the growth of a tree or the growth of a, a bush or something like that. You can see in this picture that the tree is is growing up, but it's also growing deeper. You can see those roots down there growing down into the ground. And so that is the picture of the Christian life. That the more we grow down, the more we grow up. The more we go down into our need, our desperate need for God and for His love, the more we grow up. Let me ask you a question. Um, are, you, are you growing deeper spiritually? You don't have to answer out loud. These are just kind of rhetorical, but, you know, it's the new year. It's that time of year when we kind of step back and assess ourselves a little bit. So, are you growing, or do you feel stuck Have you ever felt spiritually stuck or stalled? Like, oh, I'm not actually growing. Have you ever felt maybe a spiritual depression? It's very real, isn't it? I have felt it many times in my life. Like I'm spinning wheels. Or maybe even just going backwards. Like literally going backwards. Have you wanted to grow deeper as a Christian, but nothing seems to work. You've tried the latest book on the shelf or you've tried the read the bible in a year plan or you've you've followed, you know, Pastor Bree's blog or something like that and you're doing all these things and you're like none of it seems to actually work. Well, then this prayer is for you. This prayer from the apostle Paul, this prayer for an experience of Christ and his love For this reason, he says, verse 14, for this reason. What reason? Well, everything he's been talking about so far in the chapter, in the book, I should say, in the letter. The unity of the church and the exaltation of Christ. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. The exaltation of Christ, our head, which leads to the unifying of the body, the church. So for this reason, if Christ is to be exalted, and if the church is to be unified, we have to understand the love of Christ. That's his prayer. He prays that they will have a growth, a deeper growth into Christ's love. He doesn't pray that they obey more. He doesn't pray that they have a deeper understanding of doctrine. He doesn't pray that they follow more biblical principles He prays that they love and that they know the love of Christ. So how does a person grow? Our sermon today, Growing Deeper in Christ's Love. How do we grow spiritually? The answer is we grow spiritually by growing deeper into the love of Christ. There is no other answer. There's no other answer. This is the answer. We grow spiritually by growing deeper into Christ's love. Last week, Pastor Mark showed this diagram. We've we've shown it many, many times around here before. We start by taking a look at God and His holiness, God and and His love, His perfect love. And we soon realize we don't live up to that. We see ourselves trending downward, man's sinfulness. And so we take a look at ourselves two. We, we start with a look at God. The world today would tell you to start with a look at yourself. Know yourself, right? Know your heart. Follow your heart. They're forgetting step one. The Bible teaches that step one is know God. Why? Because God is truth. God is ultimate truth. You are not. <laughs> your heart isn't true. Your heart is skewed. And so, We start with God, then we look at ourselves, and then we look at Christ. Robert Murray McShane wrote years ago, he wrote, For every one look you take at yourself and your own sin, take ten looks at Christ. For every one look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. So church, I want to take 10 looks at Christ this morning. Are you with me? Who's up for the challenge? 10 looks at Christ. We're going to look at 10 things from this passage that show us the love of Christ. Here we go. We'll move pretty quick. Some will be quick. Some will pump the brakes on. Here we go. Number one, look at God's glory in Christ's love for us. Notice how the passage begins. It's a prayer, I bow my knees before the Father, verse 16, that according to the riches of His glory, the riches of His glory. Notice Paul is doing what I just said. He's starting with a look at God, isn't he? He's looking at God, the riches of God's glory. What is God's glory? It's the love of Christ. Where, where do we see the glory of God on display most vividly in the love of Christ? Where do we see the power of God that you may be strengthened with power? Where do we see the power of God most on display? It's in the love of Christ. The love of Christ is God's glory. The love of Christ is God's power. The love of Christ is a love that seeks the best for others. It's a glory that comes in lowering of the self. It's It's a first that comes from being last. It's an up that comes from being down. God made us, God created you in order to understand this love, the love of God in Christ, you were created to be loved by God. Do you believe that? Number two, look at the life of Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. How do we grow deeper into the love of Christ? By looking at the life of Jesus. See, when, I, when we say the love of Christ, that can be up here in the clouds. What, what's the love of Christ? Okay, let's, go, let's literally go down to earth. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's talking about a human being. He's talking about God become man. He's talking about an actual historic Jesus who actually lived, actually incarnated, actually was born as a baby in a manger, actually grew up, suffered, was rejected, despised and rejected, was actually put on trial declared guilty even though he never sinned and was nailed to a cross, bled and died, and then three days later rose again. That's love. That's the definition of love. Look to the life of Jesus. Number three. Look at Christ's love in your inner being. Look at verse 16. Paul says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul is praying for strength in the inner being because he knows that Christ dwells in their inner being. Back in chapter 2 again, Paul said that, The Jews and the Gentiles were being built together as a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God, the Spirit of God living in us, the Spirit of God in our inner being, our inner man, Anthropos, which just means humanity or mankind. Paul knows, and what you need to know, is that Christ's love is already in you and so here's the prayer, not that the love of Christ be in their inner being, but that it be strengthened in their inner being. He doesn't have, Paul never prays for believers that they get the love of Jesus. He does pray that that love of Jesus grows in its power inside of them. Number four. Look at our union with Christ as the foundation for all spiritual growth. So you say, Brady, inner being, I don't, I hear what you're saying. I know that the Bible says I have love inside me, but I sure don't feel it. Okay, so let's go back to, and I'm not saying you have to feel it. I'm saying, what I'm saying is you have to believe it. Okay, I don't always feel in love right? Anybody else testify? I don't always feel in love. I don't always feel like God loves me. I don't always feel like uh, dishing out the love of God. But what I need to do is I need to believe it. And there's a difference. So I, what what am I believing? What doctrine am I believing? I'm believing in my union with Christ. All spiritual growth, all going deeper into God, into Jesus, comes from understanding our union with christ look at verse 17 so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love christ in you christ dwell in you you in christ you rooted and grounded in love do this with me grab your bible Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. And just let your eyes go over verses 3 through 14 and look at all the times Paul says, in Christ. Verse 3, blessed us in Christ. Verse 4, chose us in Him. End of verse 4, in love. Verse verse 6, in the beloved. Verse 7, in him. Verse 9, set forth in Christ. Verse 10, in him. Verse 11, in him. Verse 12, in Christ. Verse 13, in him. Do you get it? You're in Christ. You're in Christ. This is the doctrine. This is the truth that we need to know. This, You say, I don't feel worthy of God's love. How, how, can, how, how, can, how can we ever say that, here's how you can say, here's how I can stand up in front of you right now and say, I am actually worthy of God's love. Here's the answer. Because I am united to Christ. Everything that is his is mine. Everything that he's gone through, I go through. Everything that he has gained, I receive. Does the Father love God, the Son, Jesus Christ? Does he love him infinitely? Yes. Does he he love him eternally? Yes. Does does he love him without fail? Yes. Does he love you, Christian, infinitely, eternally, and without fail? Yes. Yes. Yes, Not because of anything you've done, but because you are in Christ. Number five. Look at the love of Christ. Okay. <laughs> that's, what we've been, that's what all of these are, aren't they, Brady? I want you to focus on those last two words. The love of Christ. Verse 19. Oops, let me get to the right chapter. Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ Paul does not say I want you to know love This is not a sermon about love This is a sermon about the love of Christ And that's so important for us to understand This is not love is love This is not uh, you know love will change the world This is not all you need is love this is not love makes the world go round. This is love of Christ. The love of Christ is what we are growing into. It's not mere sentimentality. It's specific growth into the specific and unique love of Jesus Christ. A love that we learned back in, in John's gospel is full of grace and truth. This is a love that will wound you if it needs to. This is a love that will make you walk away limping after wrestling with you all night. This is a love that will put you in your bed. You know, I was just referencing Jacob, King David. This is a love that will put you in your bed when you sin and rattle your bones and shake you to your core. This is a love that abhors evil and clings to good. Romans 12. That's the love of Christ. This is a love that will not allow your depravity or even your petty goodnesses to keep continuing. This is a love that hates your self-righteousness way more than you hate it. And this is a love that would do anything for you, that would die for you. It's a love that's gentle and lowly, Giving and compassionate. This is a love that would chase you down to the pits of hell. Even if he still had 99 other sheep at home safe, he would still chase your heart. That's the love of Christ. Know the love of Christ. Look at the love of Christ. Number six, look to have a deeper experience. Of dependence upon Christ's love look to have a deeper experience of dependence upon Christ's love verse 18 he's praying that you may have strength to comprehend with all the Saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ verse 19 Paul is praying for an experience of Christ's love, for an experiential knowledge of the love of Jesus. Not just I know about the love of Jesus, I've heard the stories of the love of Jesus, I see Jesus loving other people, I can tell you about the cross, have you personally experienced the love of Jesus? Listen, Paul's not Paul is not telling us to seek new experiences of Jesus or new spiritual experiences. He's asking us to have a deeper experience of the love of Jesus. Like this plant. This plant is in soil. Okay? Every plant in soil has a diff, may have a different experience. They may grow at grow at faster rates or slower rates, but as long as they're in the soil, of Christ's love, the plant's going to grow. If I pull this plant out of the soil, what's going to happen? It's going to die. It won't grow. It'll shrivel up. The soil is the most important thing. What are you growing in? What soil are you planted in? Are you seeking spiritual experiences outside of the love of Jesus? Are you seeking spiritual strength and power outside of the love of Christ, a love that actually calls you to be weaker? See, that, now we're getting somewhere. If you haven't been listening, start listening now. Jesus is not... The, when, when Paul talks about power and strength, he's talking about power and strength to know the love of Christ and what does the love of Christ look like? The cross. The cross. The, the power of Christ looks like being weak. The love of Christ looks like losing. Losing. The love of Christ is foolish. We want the Holy Spirit to, make, to, to help us get through the trial. The Holy Spirit, empower me to get through the trial. But the real power of the Spirit is asking you to, to be crucified with Christ. Sit in the trial. Let the trial change you. Let the trial put to death what needs to be put to death in you. Let the love of Christ work on you. Instead of just moving everything out of the way, yes, Jesus will move all the obstacles out of my way. No, maybe not. Maybe not. He might actually be dropping some boulders in your path and saying, you need to sit still for a second. You need to sit still and meditate on my love for you. Paul uses this, this soil analogy, rooted and grounded in love. Land, land, in the Old Testament, land is such a big deal, isn't it? Land is such a big deal. Adam was formed by the land. Abraham was given a land forever. Joshua was given a land that he didn't earn and didn't deserve. The exiles were taken out of their land And then Israel was returned to the land. In the same way, as Adam was formed by the land, we are formed by the love of Christ. As Abraham was given a land forever, we are given love forever. As Joshua got a land that he didn't earn and didn't deserve, we are given a love that we don't earn and we don't deserve. As the exiles were taken out of their land and told, make Babylon your new land. We too live in a Babylon, we too live as exiles, and we seek to make this place a land of love. As the Israelites will return to their inheritance, one day we will gloriously be returned into the arms of our ever-loving Savior, rooted and grounded in love. God placed Abraham in the land back in Genesis, and he said, look at the land. Abraham, take a look. This is, this is your promised land. And then he gave Abraham a commandment. He said, now walk. Walk the land. Walk the land. And Abraham, he never built a house, did he? He pitched tents. He went in his tent from part of, this part of the promised land to this part to this part. Guys, that's the Christian life. In the next chapter, Ephesians 5, verse 1, walk in love. Walk your land, Christian. Walk your land. Walk in love. Live in love. Let me ask you here this morning, have you experienced this kind of love? Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ and you're not a Christian and you kind of just see it as like uh, an ethic Christianity that's just another maybe it's another nice way to live, right? Maybe maybe yep, Jesus, Jesus was cool. His moral teachings are awesome. That's not Christianity. Christianity is an experience of being loved by God. Have you known that love? A love that has no ego, a love that is fearless and relentless, a love that would go to hell and back for you. A love, verse 19, that surpasses knowledge. It's infinite. Won't heaven be boring? Won't we get to heaven and know everything? And 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 won't it get old after the first, oh, I don't know, two billion years? not if it's infinite (laughs) not if every day I can love a little bit better than I did the day before do you know that kind of love Paul says he wants us to know the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ's love a love so broad that it can reach anybody all are invited whosoever whosoever believes on the Lord, will be saved. A love that is so long, it stretches past time itself. A love that will never end, never run out. A love that is so high, so exalting. It lifts you up to the mountaintop. It satisfies every desire of your heart. It is pleasures forevermore, Psalm 16. And a love so deep, it can root out the deepest, darkest corners of your soul and cleanse you, cure you, heal you. Have you known that kind of love? And listen, if, if you do not know the love of Christ, the answer is no. No. No human being on this planet is giving you this kind of love, not your mama, not your grandmama, <laughs> not your daddy, not your lover, not your friend. They all will fail you. Their love will run out. It'll reach a peak and stop. It, it's not, it's, it doesn't have the courage to dig deep into you, right? Right? Unless you know the love of Christ, you do not know this love. Do you want to know it? It's easy. Jesus, I don't know that love. I'm not, I do not love that way. That's called being a sinner. And I need you. I need you to give me that love. It's pretty simple. And then we rest in that love and we learn to live from it. Number seven, look at how Christ's love is seeking access to your heart. Verse 17 again, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Doesn't Christ already dwell in my heart, Brady? I mean, I'm a Christian, so isn't Jesus in my heart? I asked Jesus into my heart when I was six or 16 or whatever. And my answer is yes, (laughs) yes, Jesus dwells in your heart. Paul's actually using uh, an interesting word here. So that Christ may dwell, he's using a word that means to settle down into. It's used in John 14 when Jesus says, "I go to prepare a place for you." In other words, in other words, I'm your savior, but I'm going to go build a house for you. I'm going to go get the house ready for you. Here in Ephesians 3, Paul is flipping it and saying, "Are you preparing a house for Jesus?" Are you preparing your heart house for Jesus? Yesterday, I went to, I was looking for somebody, and I went to this house that I'd never been to before, and I knocked on the door, and somebody kind of had warned me, like, hey, be careful at that house. Call me back after you're done so I know you're alive. And I i knocked on the door, and the guy finally came to the door, and it was one of these, like, like this much. The door is open this much. Yeah. Hey, is so-and-so here? Who are you? I'm, I'm Pastor Brady. All I did not see in his house, I did not get off the front porch. Are you with me? For some of us, that's how we're treating Jesus. Jesus is knocking on the door and we're getting, yeah, okay. Let me get my stuff. And you never get him off the front porch. You, know, you never even really opened the door. Listen, is Jesus, there's, a, there's a little book written back in the 50s by Robert Munger called My Heart, Christ's Home. I'm stealing from him now. He says, do you trust Christ's love in every part of your heart? Is any part of your heart off limits to Jesus? He says, maybe the library, your thoughts... Maybe the dining room, your appetites, the living room, your comforts, the basement, your hobbies and skills, the rec room, your joys and pleasures, the hall closet, your secrets. Obviously, he fleshes all of those out. <laughs> I'm not going to take the time to do that. But listen, Jesus is asking you today for more and more access to your heart. Are you giving it to him? He loves you. He loves you. Everything he's going to do is going to be for you, for your good. Everything he's going to ask of you is going to be for your good. Trust him. Can you trust him? Number eight, look at how Christ's love fills you up. Paul says, Paul's prayer, it gets even more crazy, more radical. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If that wasn't in the Bible, if I said that and you didn't think it was in the Bible, you would say, blasphemy! That's what you would say to me. You'd be like, that's impossible. We can't have the fullness of God. Yes, we can. In Colossians 2, verse 10, Paul says, In Christ you have been brought to fullness. In the, the verse before, Christ is the fullness of God, Colossians 2, 9, Colossians two ten, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Here in Ephesians 3, he's praying it as a prayer. I pray that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, what's the fullness of God? The love of Christ. The love of Christ is the fullness. Listen, when you know you're loved, here's how we live our lives. Here's my cup of water. And we, we are filled with a certain level of love and we're pouring into other people, aren't we? My spouse, my friends, those in, you know, I minister to, my small group, whatever, whoever, the people at work. And what does that leave us? Empty. And a lot of us as Christians are living empty because what have we forgotten? We've forgotten that there's a never-ending source of love, that there's a picture of love that we can go back to. So now, from this fullness, we can continue to empty ourselves, can't we? From this fullness, we can keep pouring out, and we don't have to be scared, and we don't have to be burnt out, and we don't have to say, I need boundaries, and I need me time. No, you need Jesus time. You need to sit in the love of Christ, because it is living water that always satisfies and never runs dry, does it? My, my analogy is going to run out eventually. My pitcher is going to run out. But imagine a never ending pitcher. I'm thirsty. <laughs> oh, that's good. Listen, what if you really believed that you were actually full with the love of God? what if from that fullness you could actually choose to be emptied out see most of you are walking into your relationships as two empty cups two empty people and then and then i'm looking at i'm looking at joy and i'm saying man she just doesn't fill me up anymore she doesn't, I'm not, she doesn't satisfy me anymore. She's not there for me, and she's saying the same thing. She's saying, oh, man, Brady, you know, I don't know. It's been 30-whatever years, and I just don't know if I feel it anymore. I don't feel in love. And what's what's happening? We're two empty people trying, trying to fill each other up, trying to make this other human being into God for us. There's no such thing as falling out of love. Not if you're a Christian, Why? Because there's no such thing as running out of love. We go to Christ, we get filled, and then we can go and we can pour into, pour into, pour into. Well, Brady, what if they don't reciprocate? Pour into, pour into, pour into. Do you reciprocate with Jesus? Does he stop pouring based on your reciprocation? Look, I'm not talking about putting up with abuse. Remember, it's the love of Christ. The love of Christ does not tolerate evil. Right? That's not what I'm talking. I'm not saying if you're an abused spouse, you stay in it and stay in the house. I'm not saying that. The true loving thing to do there might be to leave. But it's still love. It's still love. Number 9. Number 9. Look for Christ's love to empower you beyond all you can imagine. Wow. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. What's the power? Okay, come on, class. <laughs> What's the power? The love of Christ is the power. God can do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the love of Christ at work within us. Christ's love, it's the it's it, that's the power. It's the anti-power Like I said, it's the foolishness of the world. It's the power of selflessness, the power of sacrifice, the power of giving, the power of weakness, the power of gentle and lowly. It's Christ's love can do the impossible. Do you believe this? Christ's love in you can break the bondage of sin and addiction. Christ's love in you can destroy shame and guilt. Christ's love in you can bring forgiveness and reconciliation. Christ's love in you can free you from bitterness. Christ's love in you can humble you and cause you to listen and learn. Christ's love in you can change all of your priorities, all of your paths. Christ's love in you will will literally resurrect you from the dead. Christ's love through you can bring someone else off the cliff of despair. Christ's love through you can restore a broken relationship. Christ's love through you can bring a wanderer home. Christ's love through you can unite a church. Christ's love through you can help someone bear an impossible burden. Christ's love through you can save a soul. Beyond all we think or imagine. The love of Christ in us. And then number 10, look for Christ's love in the church. Look for Christ's love in the church. You know, all the pronouns here are plurals. That he may grant you, plural, to be strengthened. That Christ may dwell in your, plural, hearts, That you, plural, may be rooted and grounded in love. That you may know with all the saints. And verse 21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Look, our default when we're left alone, when we're left to our own devices, can we just admit that our default is kill or be killed? Our default is I got to get mine. Our default is I got to look out for me. That that's what we, that's the common denominator of humanity that we turn to when we are left alone. Spiritual growth requires community. Spiritual growth requires the church. Spiritual growth deeper requires love and love requires others. It just does. It just does. Why? Because that's what love is. Love is seeking the flourishing of others. Love is putting others first. Love is let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, and he didn't hold on to his own agenda, and he didn't hold on to his own place, but he humbled himself. That's love. The church is where love is tested The church is where love is formed. The church is where we learn how to love each other wholeheartedly and unconditionally. The church is a bunch of natural enemies coming together, black and white, men and women, Democrats and Republicans, coming together. And on paper, we should all hate each other, but because of the love of Christ, we're learning to love each other. You need that. Look, if your attitude, and I, I get it, look, there's a lot of reasons to stay home. There's a lot of re, there's good, even good reasons to stay home. But if, you, if your attitude is, I can just watch it on the TV, I don't need to be there, you have placed knowledge over love. You have placed knowledge over love. And you might be placing comfort over love. I don't need a small group, I don't need community, I don't need discipleship, comfort over love. Listen, are you here this morning? Are you growing? Are you going deeper? Has that been a struggle for you? Does that feel like something you're never going to get or feel? It's not about feeling and it's not about getting. It's about trusting the love of Christ for you. Sitting in that love Resting in that love. Years ago, somebody here in the church said to me, Brady, when are we going to get past Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible? And I looked at that person and I said, never. By the grace of God, never. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Jesus loves me. He who died, heaven's gates to open wide. He will wash away my sins. Let his little child come in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, your love is infinite. It is eternal. It is high and deep and wide and long. Help us to rest in it. Help us to pray unashamedly, boldly, to know the love of Christ. May Paul's prayer become our prayer. I want to know your love. I want to sit in it. I want to rest in it. I want to soak in it. Transform us by your love, God. Fill us so that we're not living empty lives any longer, but we're living lives that from love can be emptied out. God, let your love bring healing restoration, forgiveness, unity, grace, kindness, compassion. May it be all we know, may it be all we strive for, may it be what we trust in each and every moment of every day. Jesus, we love you, but we know that our love for you will always, like we said, always run cold. Thank you that you love us with a red-hot blazing love, every single day. We pray this, Jesus, in your name, amen.